Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hello and welcome to Movies vs. Capitalism, an anti-capitalist movie podcast. I am Frank Capello. And I am Rivka Rivera. Rivka, I gotta be honest with you, I am dragon ass today. I am <laughs> very tired right now. We're recording this on a Thursday and it's just been one of those one of those cumulative weeks. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, be honest with and come in, you know, with how I'm feeling, you know, not try to put anything on. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Appreciate the authenticity. I too am exhausted. But there's been a lot happening in the news as well. So I'm like tired. And then I'm also just like talking about um, this, all the things that are happening. There's a lot happening under under the sea. And I don't just mean Ariel. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> a dad that's right. joke. I feel I like that was such a dad joke. <laughs> it was. I hadn't even considered, <laughs> I hadn't even considered that uh, the new Little Mermaid could factor into this. But yeah, we have some nautical stories to talk about, kind of the things that everyone's talking about right now. So we wanted to talk today about two things. Well, first, the the more lighthearted topic is uh, the orcas, the killer whales that have been attacking boats <laughs> around the for world. Who, Frank? I guess. I mean, I don't think there's been any recorded uh, injuries or deaths. At least I hope not, as far as I know. So. If no. that's the if that's the case, and this is just harmless orca fun, yeah, in case you hadn't heard, uh, orcas have just been randomly attacking boats. Uh, no one can really figure out exactly why. Although one thing I read was that um, apparently orcas are a species that <laughs> engage in behavioral fads. So, like literally, like an orca will see another orca doing something, and then they'll repeat that behavior. I don't think it's random. At least from what I've heard and the theory that makes a lot of sense to me that I'm going with because I loved this story and I think it it's probably true like but I there is a name for like this one specific orca that started this fad so they have been able to track it and this is happening in Spain by Gibraltar but she started the and they, so that what they think is very likely is that she was either like had some kind of traumatic experience with a one of these like boats, one of these big, I don't know if it's cruise liner, I don't know the kind of boat it is, but could have gotten trapped underneath it. But like you imagine this happens all the time, like they're causing serious damage. And sure. this orca was like, uh, fuck you. I, re- I remember <laughs> you. I see you. And I'm going to go tell my friends about you and like taught this behavior of attacking these boats. So they're calling it like this revenge of the orcas, which I am down with i mean i would be really angry too yeah i think the the best thing that has come from this has just been like the online discourse around <laughs> it of you know people rightfully being like nature's striking back nature's finally taking its revenge against man uh so there's just been a lot of really fun orca content and then conversely because you know everyone has to have a contrarian take there have been the people who've been like um actually we shouldn't care about the orcas. Actually, we should be on the side of humans and orcas are not your friends. Why? I think it's mostly like the left posits something that is like fun or in support of orcas. Then someone on the right has to be like, oh, actually, uh, orcas are bad. So other events under the sea, um, we're recording this on Thursday, right? Today's Thursday, the 22nd. Thursday, the 22nd, yep. Uh, last Sunday, and I'm sure, and maybe you are listening and you've heard about this last Sunday, there was 
an expedition in what is not you would you would think would be called a submarine. It's called a submersive, I think, because it didn't, which is um, looks like a submarine, but I don't think it, it gets to be called a submarine. And it's it, it was, didn't meet uh, the legal requirements. It didn't of submarine. meet the legal requirements, but it was of uh, the company OceanGate basically has been creating these uh, wild tourist expeditions for people who want to pay a shit ton of money. We're talking two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to be one of the few people who gets to see the titanic um this is ocean gate the ceo of ocean gate is um stockton rush what a name stockton rush and unfortunately stockton rush we now know has passed away yes today today on thursday was the day where we knew that their oxygen was going to run out, so if they had not been found by sometime this morning, then it, we are to presume that they are... Frank, they found pieces, though. It's like... Done. Oh, wow. Oh, they yeah. found pieces. Oh, yeah. okay. They were going down to see it, so they, they found it, like, near the... Like, nearish the Titanic, the helm of the Titanic. It's all pretty spooky, but yeah, we were all, like, gripping, being like, oh, they have... I think the, la the last thing that I had heard, they were like, well, there's 40 hours of air left and 20 hours air left and it was just like new nightmares unlocked to imagine being in this and you can see videos of it like there's a video of stockton rush uh giving a tour of it i think it was on like cbs sunday morning and he's like yeah you just press this little button you go down like an elevator and he pulls out this like rinky dink literally looks like a a game boy controller and he's like and this is how you you go forward back and it's just like who would get on that and then i just found this quote i guess on their company's website that says we've had people who've mortgaged their home to come down and do the trip and we have people who don't think twice about a trip of this cost like that's what they're selling the the trip on like which was just so wrong and distasteful on so many levels so even though on their website they claim that like people might mortgage their home because it's just so exciting to go down and see the titanic that was not the case for anyone on the submersive during this trip everyone on there was um well we had a billionaire and then a wealthy wealthy businessman and their teenage son and a french explorer who had actually made trips previous and then of course stockton rush and then this is We'll get to the details of that, but I just want to say that this is also in juxtaposition to the fact that around about a week ago, there was an overcrowded fish vessel that sank off the coast of Greece that had hundreds of refugees from Syria, Egypt, Pakistan and Palestine on there. And of course, this is getting not nearly as much media attention. And the U.N. is calling this shipwreck one of the deadliest tragedies of the year there were 78 bodies that have been discovered so far 104 people have been rescued at this point and you know we're still missing like 500 people and yet mostly what you're hearing about are these five really wealthy people who made a choice to go down because i guess they had to see the titanic yeah it's fucking horrific i didn't even i didn't even know about the the uh the other ship, the ship of uh, migrants that had sunk until you just told me about it right before recording. So that is a testament to how little media coverage. Yeah, it's it disgusting. It is completely disgusting. And, you know, we're not going to say anything new about the fact that the media will prioritize stories about uh, distressed or endangered wealthy, you know, white people over, you know, less wealthy people of color. That's, you know, that that take exists out there. 
but it is important to note it because like like I just said, I didn't even I hadn't even heard of this story. Well, I want to say to your credit, Frank, when I texted you even about the submersive, I'm like, are you following this? And you were like, oh, and I was like, we like, should we do the Titanic, which we will be doing shortly. But like, to your credit, you're like, I really don't want to like, you know, there probably were other were like people who were working class who were just workers on the vessel yeah, was like, who was were like, just there. Probably crew members on there. You know? <laughs> I was like, no, there was room for five. There was not a crew member at all. It was like there was one window, one window. And then I was like, okay, let's let's get after him. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of stuff happening online of people making jokes about this submarine going down. The fact that it was a very it was a group of very wealthy people. The fact that this CEO had been on record several times talking about how annoying safety regulations were, and he was one of the people down there. And the fact that the the billionaire uh, was also on the Blue Origin space flight with Jeff Bezos a few years the fact ago. That his son was at um, a Blink One Eighty Two concert. I think it was Blink One Eighty Two. Something also like that. Also on OnlyFans. Hey, everyone grieves in their own way. But there's a lot going on. You should you should check it out if you haven't. There's a lot of discourse. But what's most important is like you shouldn't check that out. That should be the second thing you check out, I think, is our point. Yes, that should be the second thing you check out. And look, I'm not like that sounds like an absolutely horrific way to die and terrifying, terrifying. And like, I do not take any glee in the fact that those people have died but I think the the one thing, other than the disparity between the media coverage, the one thing that this story has really kind of highlighted, at least for me, is I don't know, just like the the decadence of the the luxury vacation industry. Uh, like this feels akin to like super wealthy people who go big game hunting, which I think is even more like disgusting and problematic. And honestly, if like someone got eaten, if like some rich asshole got eaten by a lion because he was there to hunt the lion, I would be like, very good lion. Very good. This, this case, I feel a little bit more uh, sympathy for these people because it's, I wasn't wishing this on them, but I don't know. It's when you see shit like this and you're like, okay, so we live in a world where this like, class of people just has so much expendable fucking income that they're like um let's go to the, see the titanic uh well meanwhile you know just like large swaths of the global population like don't have fresh water or food it's just such a it's such an illustration of how stupidly resources are allocated in a capitalist system. That's for me my my big takeaway from this whole ordeal. And again ordeal. the fact that that this company OceanGate has as like its selling point like that oh this isn't a class thing like anybody anybody could do it some you might more mortgage your house it might not be a big deal like is just so like it's just so it's almost like satire of how <laughs> out of touch they are that mm -hmm. like that's a, that's equivalent that's totally fair you might like you're starved to death and you might it might be a blip for you but everybody wants to see the titanic you're like what the fuck i gotta be honest even if that trip cost one thousand dollars i don't give a fuck <laughs> about seeing the titanic i was like all right there's uh, there's pictures i'll watch the movie that's not like, like that getting that little rinky dink thing is just that's disturbing on so many levels I also just want to say it was interesting looking up articles briefly as we were getting ready to talk about this. And I just think it's fascinating 
the media that chooses to leave out the word billionaire. Oh, interesting. In describing, uh, like, because some places I saw were like billionaire and others were like businessman. And, you know, I think we're, I think there's just, I think it's intentional. There's an awareness that like, the, oh, I'm sure. we're, we're conscious of how being a billionaire is criminal. Mm-hmm. Being a billionaire is just straight up criminal. I think if that statement pisses you off, like, ask yourself why. Have you ever read any of the, like, the think pieces about why people should stop being wealthist, which is to say prejudiced against wealthy people? Because those exist. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding at all. Those... (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It is funny. Wealthist? Wealthist, yeah. I want a t-shirt that says I'm a wealthist. But when you say things like omitting the word billionaire... That's what it makes me think of is yeah. like, you know, these poor billionaires, you know, they don't want to like let people know that they're billionaires because then some people might like not like them simply because of their class status and the amount of wealth that they've hoarded. And it's like, yeah, 100%. You cannot be a billionaire and not be a criminal. Like you're exploiting fucking people. You have blood on your hands, period, period. And I think I think generally, I think most of the population gets that. I think if you this is my again, I if you if it's upsetting to hear that, I think question why. But I feel like if if anything, that that's the entanglement with the American dream and like not being able to let go of any kind of fantasy you have of your possibility of one day being a billionaire. But you don't want to be. And it ain't going to be you, babe. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. You do not make a billion dollars. You take a billion dollars. All right. Well, that I think that's everything that needs to be said about about the the oceans. Um, so we should get to our conversation about Good Burger. But first, we want to let our listeners know that this podcast is produced by the two of us. We perform all of the necessary labor to make this show happen. And as we're trying to practice our anti-capitalist values, we will not be selling ads on this show. We rely completely on community support to keep the show going. So if you're able to support us, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. For just $5 a month, you get access to our entire back catalog of premium episodes, and you'll be directly supporting this show You can also leave us a one-time contribution in our tip jar, and you can find all of those links in the episode description in your podcast player or by going to mvcpod.com. You can also help us out for free by leaving a rating and review for this show on your podcast player. It only takes a few seconds, and it is very helpful in boosting the algorithm and getting this show in front of more people, so we really appreciate it. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with our conversation about Good Burger with Andrew T. So we are joined by Andrew T. today. Andrew is a TV writer and podcaster who hosts the Yo! Is This Racist podcast. Welcome, Andrew. Uh, Hey, so uh, I I lost you for a second, but I think I got the gist. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, it's so good to have you today. Andrew, so a little bit of background for our listeners. You and I met for the first time (laughs) years ago at uh, the Earwolf studio when you uh, first were turning Yo! Is This Racist into a podcast. Um, I was one of the engineers that worked on the show. Yeah. And I always think about that time very fondly, specifically working with you because... (laughs) No, I'm serious. Cause you oh, were, that's so nice. Well, it's weird. You yeah. were like easily the nicest host that 
we worked with there. <laughs> not saying that everyone was mean, but like some people weren't, you know, and I'm not going to name names, but it was always it was always such a joy to get to work with you. You were always such a, a, a nice guy to, oh, shit. to us, the engineers. So thank you. Well, I mean, I think primarily it was because I was very out of place there. So I was just sort of like, not that you guys weren't special, but I was like being very nice to everyone because I felt like perpetually on thin ice. And you're all- <laughs> <laughs> so just like I don't know I just I'll just you know make it pleasant to be here as much as I can also because it's like you know this this especially then um and barely now it's like it was it was more just like it's nice to be able to have a platform and even though for me again I was a little out of place at Earwolf it was very like UCB like especially at the time like white comedy folks so you know, I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm, it's just nice to be around and have, honestly, like have you and like the other engineers like doing shit professionally. So I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. Um, anyway, I'm overthinking this, but thanks. I got it. It was like a, a defensive kindness. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, watch out. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> if I had my choice, I'd be a total dick. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to have you on. We we wanted to have you on the show because you're a, a very very smart guy. I've uh, like I was introduced to you with you talking about politics on a podcast, uh, <laughs> and you're brilliant at it. You're also like a fantastic comedy writer, and I know you're very active on Twitter now in like the the progressive political space. Ooh, so I was yeah. like, trying too too active, but yes, thanks. <laughs> it's That's all right. What are you gonna do? That's where all the change will happen is on Twitter. So, yeah, exactly. So I knew that we had to have you on and you chose, wow, such a <laughs> great movie. Is it great? Uh, but you chose Good Burger for us to watch. Uh, directed by Brian Robbins, written by Dan Schneider, Kevin Coppolo, and Heath Seifert. Starring Kenan Thompson, Kel Mitchell, Char Jackson, Dan Schneider, Jan Schweiderman, and Sinbad. The budget was eight point five million, and it made twenty three point seven million worldwide. So, did pretty wow. well. Uh, this is the story wow. of slacker teenager Dexter Reed, played by Keenan Thompson, who, after getting in a car accident with his high school teacher, Mister Wheat Sinbad, is forced to get a summer job to pay for the damages. Dexter gets hired at local burger joint Good Burger, where he meets a wild cast of characters, including Ed played by Kel Mitchell, the eccentric counter guy, and Good Burger enthusiast. But when mega-corporate Mondo Burger opens up across the street and starts stealing their business, Dexter and Ed come up with a plan to save Good Burger. Some uh, historical context for when this film was released. On July 25th, 1997, Bill Clinton had just began his second term. In March, 24-year-old Brooklyn rapper, the Notorious B.I.G., is killed in a drive-by shooting shortly after leaving a party in L.A. Also in March, 39 of the Heaven's Gate cultists commit mass suicide at their compound in San Diego. And in June, Timothy McVeigh is convicted on 15 counts of murder and conspiracy for his role in the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. And in July... The Dow Jones Industrial Average closes above 8,000 for the first time ever. And in October, 1 billion shares are traded on the New York Stock Exchange for the first time ever. Other <laughs> films, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Other films re- released this year were Goodwill Hunting, Men in Black, Austin Powers, and Titanic. Wow. 
I feel like all of the, yeah, what oh, a wow. year. It kind of feels like so seen. I feel so seen <laughs> by all of those movies said out loud all together. Just like, wow. So Andrew, the first thing we do with the conversation is ask our guests, uh, why did you choose this movie for us to watch? I, um, gosh, now I'm trying to remember what was, oh, the other movie that uh, we didn't go with. Because uh, initially I was like, okay, it, this will be a nice opportunity to watch something new. And uh, so I believe I chose Magic Mike, which I had not seen. And then, uh, you know, I, I uh, was told uh, rightfully, it makes sense that it's probably better if it's something you've seen before. And I was like, uh, well, technically I have seen Good Burger before. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I kind of I, I for whatever reason from from the like just list you guys had, I just was like wanted to rewatch it sure um i i will sort of fully admit probably for the last third of it it's much longer than i thought it was gonna be it feels um, longer it's like, i think the runtime really is like 95 drags. minutes but it feels like a three hour long movie you know what so the other thing that i did uh because i was like i feel like once i once i realized it was dan schneider i was like well although actually the thing the thing that i did probably even further lined his pockets um but i was like eh, it's probably better if i don't like buy it uh and and but i also didn't uh have the wherewithal to steal it so instead i watched it on same pluto tv with an unbelievable amount of ad breaks yeah more and more time it uh -huh. really is yeah so like somewhere around the for me like i don't know probably like 90 minute mark i i really <laughs> drift i like i kind of barely remember the end like i have a sense and i kind of remember but it is that like classic 90s like shenanigans where you're like none of this makes sense and it was written by a child predator and who cares yeah so for anyone listening who's not aware dan schneider the writer and then goes on to um be the executive producer and writer for like all these Nickelodeon shows that we know is a child predator hasn't been convicted but like it's the allegations are like pretty obvious and it's yeah sorry allegedly. Uh, quote, unquote, well I, I mean no, allegedly but I mean yeah. it, it's like almost every child most child stars who've worked with him have I don't even know if most but like there's been just like the allegations are tremendous he left a Nickelodeon it's number. really creepy it's really Jesus. gross and also just being a total like also just like an asshole and taking advantage of like on top of like sexual predatory nature, yeah. just like taking advantage of these child laborers, really. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's once you like realize that these were like children who were protected, it's like it's also so hard not to see the number of like. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I, I stopped keeping count, but it was like just like the amount of times the kids talk about being creamed in various ways in this movie. It was just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like this. It's it's so hard to unsee it once you know Absolutely. who he is. Allegedly. And I didn't know about any of this. This is me. Rivka mentioned it right before we started recording. And I was like, holy shit. So this is me learning in real time that Dan that Dan Schneider has all of these allegations against him, which is that's terrible because he worked on so many Nickelodeon yeah. shows. He was around forever. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say about it, but it is very, like, distracting. Or you're just like, ugh, fuck. Yeah, it comes up. It definitely comes up, absolutely. And, it, and it's interesting that you didn't see it through that lens, Frank, because then when you watch it again, you know, and we talk about that so much on this show about, like, 
that's part of this is rewatching with a new awareness. And you're like, man, it was still there. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying that, that, you know, there's certainly um, I know watching it. There was like the Carmen Electra plays. Um, what's the name of her character? Roxanne. Roxanne. And I know we're jumping way ahead. We're not getting. But like since we're going there, let's go there. She plays Roxanne, who's like in her 30s. Right. And she's sent in to like seduce um, Ed, who's 17. <laughs> I mean, it's really gross. And I looked this up because I was like, I need to know how old they were in real life. So according to if everyone's age is what Google says it is, then Carmen Electra would have been like 23, 24 when they shot this. And Kel would have been 17. It's problematic in the movie itself, but it's also problematic in the actual production of the film and (laughs) having like an adult woman like physically seduce a child, a teenager um, on a film set. But it makes so much sense in the, I mean, not that it would make, not that there's a world in which that makes quote unquote sense, but in the context of like someone in charge, like a Dan Schneider, that's how it, you know, they're like normalizing it and they were normalizing it for us then as the viewers. And that's part of the creepy, like I definitely as a kid was not like, wait a minute, this age disparity, you know, I was like, I think I just processed it as like, oh, this is a trope that I see. And she's like the tits and ass meant to seduce him. And like, good for him. It's so funny. He And yes, actually good for him. <laughs> he doesn't fall for it. Yeah. It's just, it's just bizarre. Cause I, I think that that's one of the hallmarks of, I think when you kind of look back at these, like, oh God, we're getting way too far into this, but these like Dan Schneider joints where it is like putting children who act like children, like Ed's thing is he acts like an, a complete innocent in like adult situations and then loosely the whole plot of good burger is like you know a corporate espionage movie so <laughs> like like it's it's like putting these like um all that kids right is that yeah. that's what the show they were from like yeah all that kids in like a adult thing which i guess is sort of like what bugs bunny was but it's way weirder when it's human beings like human children. He's also acting in this one, which is like even weirder. But you know what? I'm sure we'll touch on him again. Uh, I was really glad you chose this movie, Andrew, because it's it was just like I I thought it was really funny. I just thought it was really funny. And the, <laughs> the child in me was like, oh, my God. It was like finding a toy that you're like, wait, I love that joke. You know, Like there were just some jokes that I was like, oh, that was formative for me. Like, you better watch your butt. And then he turns around to look at his butt. I just I love that. Just really commits to. I mean, yeah, it's it's like Kel. Commitment. Truly. I mean, I guess it is just like his his like acting style. Like it's hard to age out of that the way like Keenan did. I would I would imagine like Keenan as the like playing more straight man character was able to transition into like the SNLs and and things like that probably easier than um than Kel was. But yeah, it's like he is he's like really being Bugs Bunny and just like going for it and like at no point relents. Like it's pretty wonderful. It's wonderful. It was a reminder of like how much 90s comedy is just like people getting hurt just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> a lot of just like zany pratfalls and i agree with rivka there were some things in here where i was like that is just straight up a good joke like that someone wrote for either keenan or, or abe vagoda abe vagoda gets off a, yes. <laughs> a, a few 
few great one-liners, but then there's other stuff that I was like, okay, this is like the maybe the child in me, like the opening on the rollerblades when Ed like almost kills a baby. I was like, this this makes me <laughs> this makes me anxious now watching this as an adult. Or like Ed oh, in, yeah. in the middle. I thought it was so crazy that I loved it as a kid. I'm sure I yucked it up. I'm sure I was like, oh my god, that's so funny. The baby is the basketball now, and now the basketball guys throw the baby into the hoop. This is. Who could have th- who could have come up with uh, comedy this good? <laughs> they really make a big like they really are in on the shot of the baby smiling and being unharmed <laughs> as it goes through that. Like, they, clearly, that felt like that felt like that was a pickup where someone was like, "Is the baby okay?" And they're like, "Right, yes. Uh, no, we should show that." <laughs> oh, weird day for that baby. I mean, the thing that had always lingered with me about this movie and the reason that we had put it on our list, our short list to begin with, was I was like, I know that the the main conflict of this movie is Good Burger versus Mondo Burger. It's the it's the little burger joint around the corner versus the, the super hyper corporate uh, burger franchise that's now going to show up and steal all of their business. So like looking at it through that lens, I was like, OK, I think I think this. I think this applies for this podcast and a lot of it <laughs> held up. A lot of it really held up um, in, in especially in the way that they framed Mondo Burger for me. Cause like Mondo Burger is like this hyper corporate uh, franchise. It treats their employees like total shit. Uh, Kurt, who is the either owner manager. We're not sure. He's like, the, it seems like he's like a teen CEO. It's real <laughs> boss baby vibes right here. It's very weird. We're like, what is this dude? <laughs> What a, he's got control over Mondo Burger. Um, he's willing to do anything to win, and like the competition, like the like the brutal competition, plays a very central role uh, between the two burger joints. Although the the, the place where it, it it lost me in terms of just looking at it from an anti capitalist perspective was this this ended up being a parable for what I, what I would call like mom and pop capitalism. Yeah, which is like we we root for the good burger. Because, you know, they seem like they're a family and all the employees get along and, you know, like a, they're like the zany cast of characters and, oh, they're like, oh, coming together to work and make these burgers. But and and like that's framed as like this is the good type of capitalism um, and not not considering the fact that like all these kids are getting exploited regardless, you know, mm-hmm. like the, yeah. at the heart of it. Yeah. And additionally, you have like Ed's character who's portrayed as just loving his job so much that like. He sleeps in his, he showers in his uniform and just like, I don't care if I get paid $5. Cool. I'm getting paid $5 an hour. Like, great. Right on. Like, that's great, dude. Like, just never, there's never ever. And he's who we're seeing the film through. So there's never a question of like, even though we feel for him when Dexter like rips him off, we kind of like, I was like, well, they're going to give him 10 cents for every burger he sells. Like, yay. Like, there's just not even a... We're just like to your point. I think we're to- <laughs> we're totally like if he loves it and he doesn't want to get paid a lot, like let him be exploited. Some people love to be exploited. Like that was sort of where yeah. it went. <laughs> it's really he's he's like played as so guileless and ultimately I think it's really a movie about you work because you love it. It's about the love <laughs> of the job, baby. Um, 
And it's really like, yeah, I, I think there, there's this thing where I think it's like, I mean, ultimately, you know, when you're Nickelodeon or when you're like fucking, you know, the the Dan Schneider or whoever, like, you know, maybe the, the ampersands mean someone else pitched this. But I'm sure one of the things that was like a selling point to um, Nickelodeon Paramount like Viacom was like this is this all one of this will help get kids excited about summer jobs like this is oh, this yeah. is what like this is how like you teach them what like it's all about where you're like well is it though yeah and then we can probably we could probably do a brand partnership with McDonald's or Burger King and then they'll sell good burgers for a little bit which I'm sure they yeah. did I know in part of the promo they gave they made Ed's wig cap and gave that like made a wig cap of Ed's <laughs> and I was just like what kind of 90s <laughs> like Halloween horror did that result in it was just so nice you know I'm sure they sold burgers whatever they did for that I don't know I thought I thought the discussion on the commodification of food, though, in this was was pretty interesting. I don't know how aware I definitely didn't care as a child. I think I was like, get me a Mondo burger, like I'll eat whatever because I like this movie. But watching it now it was just a stark reminder of how, like, ultimately in this country, we were taught that we have lots of options for food and we don't because corporations have taken that over <laughs> as well. And. <laughs> Guess what? Those corporations do not give a fuck about what you put in your body. There's like if you want it to get really dark and scary, you can look up lists of like all the ingredients and things that are banned in other countries that are like in our food here and no one cares. All, so, of, all of the poison that we're just legally allowed to eat here in the United States that <laughs> Europe is like, no, don't put that inside of you. No, absolutely exactly. Not. And you have to literally be so privileged to be able to buy and not only buy but have time to prepare your own food to know what's going in your body uh, without being poisoned um and we have examples like on a very personal level <laughs> frank heard about this because i went <laughs> through my like did you hear about this andrew there was like a daily harvest scandal oh no it's it's embarrassing on many levels, but like there was a moment where like during the pandemic, I got hooked on what I was just like, I'll try one of these food plant things. It's literally the most it's like some goop level shit. It's bad. Sure. It's bad. <laughs> but I fucking was like, yeah, whatever. Did it for a little bit. And then I um got fucking poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> like very poisoned, like actually the sickest I've ever been in my whole life. Um, I, I'm Jesus, so right. But like it wasn't just me. It was 500 plus other people. So it's in litigation now. But like there were people who went to um, the hospital and had like their liver the organs removed. Like it was severe. My God. And so it just I felt seen is what I'm trying to say by this. <laughs> by this movie in a way that I probably sure. didn't realize as a child, but like just the idea that they're like pumping triampathol into these burgers to make them bigger for competition that like, it's all about profit and like, we don't know what's yeah. in our food and it doesn't matter. Nobody cares, you know, even with like syrups or like whatever the hell they branded as healthy. We don't know what's going on. It, we need so much time to investigate. It's a shit show. I felt very seen. Just putting that all out there. And even if you're being invested or even if you're investigating, you can simply be lied to, which is the other side of it. Sure. Which is Hello. Just like, I yeah. Mean, what are you going to do? Start a little like lab in your kitchen and just test everything. Like I, I will say uh, without 
um, without diminishing uh, the very real thing that happened to you. I, I would also throw out, though, that one of the other things of this movie is like this like sort of farce that like, well, you know, the government's got it. And really only the companies that are like acting badly are the ones that are going to like these guys went too far. And the other sort of reality is like there's plenty of tons of shit that's legal for you or legal to put in and like whoever whatever that is just like not yes. good yeah. either. I mean, there's so many business practices that are just legal and abusive. So like totally, you know, it kind of kind of takes like a real fuck up CEO wise to break that many laws if you think about it. <laughs> like just like just do all the legal shit. It's already like all the rules are in your favor. That is the one thing that I thought this movie did really, really well. And I think the thing that stuck with me and the, the, the reason that it, it lingered so long in my memory is I was like, well, Mondo Burger is evil. Like, that's an <laughs> evil place. Yeah. And they do evil things there. And even though it kind of still paints Good Burger, which is inherently an exploitative enterprise as like the good guys, it definitely leaves a child being like, I think the big like corporate places are bad. And they, yeah. they like lay it on thick. Like Kurt is... Like you said, he's using the triampathol to expand the burgers illegally. He is willing to straight up poison the good burger uh, customers. He like breaks into their place one night and tries to poison their sauce. Like a really, a really great corporate villain in Kurt in this. And yeah. he keeps referring to himself in the third person. He had the spiky, I feel like the spiky hair, like the whiter and spikier <laughs> oh God, it was yeah. in a 90s movie. The more we were like, that's the evil man. Evil kid. Evil, evil kid, man. <laughs> but it's a little bit like Captain Planet, like, like ultimately just let corporations be more, you know, it, it's like the real evil is like so seldom a cackling villain like this that it's like so like what were they trying what like really like at least Mondo Burger kind of has a business plan like Captain Planet people are like what are you doing like you're supposed to sell the nuclear power before you make all the nuclear waste not just have a mountain of nuclear waste because you want it it's so weird like all these 90s morality things are like Bad, bad people don't make any sense and therefore maybe they don't exist. Well, I think right. it's like narratively, especially the way that it's portrayed in film and television, it's just the simplest way to present, uh, you know, like the, the, the excesses and problems with our society and especially the way our economy is organized because it's like it's very, very difficult uh, to explain in like, I don't know, like a 30 minute episode of a TV show or even a 90 minute movie just about like, no, this is like a systemic thing. There are like multiple institutions. And yes, there are like very few people at the top, but like they're they're like their own class and they all work together. And there are people in it like it's it's much more convoluted. So it's much easier to have like, yeah, Kurt, the the 19 year old with spiky hair and just be like, well, this this one guy was bad. Yeah. This is like the anti anti corporate version of like Joe Biden telling Donald Trump he's gone too far. Bus <laughs> it's just like, yeah, OK, like. <laughs> But like, really, you're missing the point. No, I was just going to point out that I there was one moment with the Mondo Burger opening that I just it struck me as like when they have the they have like the jazz band, they have like all this stuff and everyone's flocking to it. They have a full <laughs> orchestra. And it just like it struck me as like the this idea of businesses as cultural institutions and how much since the 90s that's only progressed as a thing and how sad that is that's just really sad like businesses have replaced what you know center squares and parks and like what what in a 
a socialist society would be free and liberating for a community. It's like, no, you want your cultural gathering and a place to commune and be with other people. It's going to be around a like something you need to buy or spend money. And I just thought that was like really, the mall. yeah, like the mall. I thought yeah. it was really well done where they're like having it. It wasn't about burgers. It was like, yeah, I would want to go hang out there too. Cause they're like, there's a, looks like the only culture in town currently, you know? I mean, that looked like a fucking sick party. The grand <laughs> opening of Mondo yeah. Burger. I, that brought, I was like, who, who is backing Mondo Burger? Like who are like, where is the ownership? Where are the investors? Cause this is someone poured a shit ton of money into getting this place off the ground. Those facilities are pristine. Those outfits, <laughs> that pleather. Those outfits. I mean, just like the the big band budget is like, that's like pretty, pretty significant for, I just think Kurt had a lot of confidence and it was pretty well placed for, if you think about I it. I mean, he executed on a very high level, you know, not all of it was above board, but you know, other than the legality question, he was a flawless manager. That was the other interesting part is that so at Good Burger, Dexter gets hired there, meets everybody. And we meet the manager, Mr. Bailey, played by played by Dan Schneider. Um, But we don't get any sense of who the ownership of Good Burger is. We just have Mr. Bailey, the manager, which I thought was an interesting choice because it kind of like it almost removes that question from your head. Like it, 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 it. it doesn't allow you to think critically about like mm-hmm. who actually owns Good Burger, who's pulling the <laughs> right. strings here, because they don't even present that information whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Like who's who set five dollars an hour, which even the minimum wage at that time was four dollars twenty five cents in California. So they were like slightly above. Also, we never find out how they how much they would have been making at Mondo Burger, which actually would have been really crucial information, right? I don't think they ever say that how much they oh, make yeah. an hour at Mondo Burger. Like, maybe they're making a lot more money. I know. Listen, I think we just got to <laughs> consider Mondo Burger, guys. Really, maybe Mondo Good Burger really... was actually, the, they're, they're the good ones? Uh, yeah, maybe maybe they're the, of the, of the Kurt two. Kurt does headbutt his employee, though. Let's not, I mean, Kurt does, like, physically assault his employees. Yeah. That, that's one strike that's against Mondo. But I, I, I do think the movie does sort of portray like it's really like moving shit around to kind of like soften Good Burger because I think it's clearly Dan Schneider's owns it. You know, every like the profits seem to like imply he talks about how the profits or losses directly support his mother. It's a little bit oh, like that's right. when, you're, when your landlord is like how am I going to pay for my seven mortgages? And it's like, yeah, man, you're still a piece of shit. Get a job. I, so there's a little bit of that where you're like, yeah, Good Burger is bad. Good Burger is bad. It's run very poorly. And I, that 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 was another fun thing about this is like, you know, rewatching it like my capitalist brain because I grew up working in the restaurant industry. So like I I I come into Good Burger. I see that. Mr. Bailey has like nine full-time employees on staff at all at the same time. And I'm like, well, this is just mismanagement. This is like, (laughs) there's absolutely way too, like the, the labor costs here are ridiculous. Yeah. Not a, not a well-run burger joint. Uh, And, and that's pretty, pretty clear from the jump. Sunk a lot of money into the delivery car. (laughs) Custom, a custom delivery car, which cannot have been a good investment given everything else. 
I have to imagine he's got he's got a bunch of uh, legal costs because he just keeps letting like underage children drive this car with no driver's <laughs> license. <laughs> he's got a bunch that's of lawsuits right. piling up. Right. I, that's right. Keenan's supposed to be 15 in this. Wow. Yeah. Because he talks about he's not getting his driver's license till next year in the in the open. Yeah. This is crazy. This is, this it's crazy. crazy. <laughs> well, now that we're just doing a little math, right? There's just the math on the betrayal. This is like crucial to the the heart of the story is that Dexter, when he finds out that Ed's going to save, save Good Burger with his Ed sauce, Ed special sauce. And Ed, you know, I... It's my favorite part. I, I'm team Ed because Ed's like, I'll tell you my recipe. Like Ed just doesn't doesn't get them, doesn't care. Seems to be very community driven. We'll share his recipe with whoever wants it. But um, Dexter's like, oh, no, we're going to capitalize on this. We're going to make money off of this. You're not going to tell anyone. And I know that you're getting 10 cents now for every burger that's sold because you have the special sauce. Sign this contract and I'll get 20. I'll get 80 and you'll get 20. So he's like, does this bad deal with Ed and Ed just wants a friend ultimately. And so and and also says like Ed can read some of the words on the contract, but just like doesn't, you know, says that I don't know how much Ed's just like, I don't care. I trust you, buddy. I want I want friendship so badly, but like signs this bad deal. So there's the 80 20, which, yeah, that was devastating. Is that bit supposed to that's is that that's supposed to be like those old music contracts, right? Those Motown contracts, I feel like were like that. It feels like one of those, like you know, like in Animaniacs, where they're talking about contracts in the cold open, in the in the credits. I think this is like a thing that I'm going to go ahead and not look up, but <laughs> it it feels like it was one of those things, like classic showbiz things that had to happen. Yeah, also, definitely. Like, in the world of Nickelodeon, I'd assume this is probably closer to like what most people's deals were at the time. So also like showing us who he is once again played for children like that and that's the other like main thing that i took away from this i'm like all of this is this is for children like there's barely anything in here for adults yes. so much <laughs> of the humor is just talking about you know your butt and people just getting hit or falling down or getting some kind of goo all over them but even the contract thing is like you understand like from a child's perspective you're like i understand that contracts are usually bad like they're all they're almost always bad they almost always end up with the person signing the contract like getting screwed over in some way shape or, or form and correct and correct correct yeah. but i did think that the the dexter ed friendship and and the way that I, honestly this is like a pretty well-structured movie just in terms of like what each character's motivation is and the way that their uh you know individual relationship develops and it really did feel like by the end, you know, Dexter realized that, you know, taking advantage of Ed was wrong and that he actually did care about him in the end. And and Rifka, I agree with you. Ed is just like, he's so content. He's just like, he just loves, he just loves being able to come and hang out with his friends every day and sell burgers. He kind of, as a character, just has like, exploit me written. Like, that's the first <laughs> line of his character description. It's like, please exploit me. I love it. It's it's He's like an Oompa Loompa. They, they do a lot of narrative hand waving to be like he likes this actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like, that well, is a, an Oompa okay. Loompa comp is precisely <laughs> it. I've always, I've always had that thought. They have the same haircut. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, just 
just dyed and its hair green. You know, but it's also interesting that Goodwill Hunting came out at the same time of this movie because I had the moment where I was like, is this like Matt Damon in an in a in a different world? Like I felt like they had a very like the like Matt Damon had you know where you're like you wouldn't think that the janitor would have the like math you know like they played up that whole trope as well in this where I was like you wouldn't think Ed could make a sauce this good yeah <laughs> like save the business <laughs> so if we're following the logic of this movie to a T then Ed is actually a genius who can speak with dogs because there is that <laughs> right. there is that bit <laughs> in the right. middle where a dog runs under them and barks and he's like, what's going on? There's a bunch of clowns in a broken down car and then nothing. And then like a scene later, you see a bunch of clowns in a broken down car. So you're like, oh, so Ed is actually, he's he's clear. I guess he's supposed to be magic. That's that's yeah. sort of, I guess, what that character <laughs> tends to be in, in these movies, I feel what like. Did, a little what magic. Did you also, what did you think about race in this world? Because I was trying to, it was, it was like, what is going on? Yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on this because I was trying to track it and it seemed, I was like, are, we're in Los Angeles. We're in California. Especially interesting considering that this movie was written by three white guys. And yeah. there's a lot of like like black cultural stuff in this film. So I'm, yeah, very curious how that came about. I, I, well, I'd have to imagine, like, in, given the 90s of it, like, these were, I'm guessing the other folks, again, not going to look this up. I could easily do it, but I won't. They, they had to have been associated with all that at some level. So mm -hmm. I imagine it's people that's like, we've written for Keenan and Kel for years. Mm -hmm. Like, we know their voice to the point where I'm like, I, I, were these characters created on all that? Possibly. They were, right? yes. Is this like a, yeah, this is like a Wayne's World yes. like feature. Got it. Yeah. So so that's that feels like, like the type of thing, the TV version of it is like, the thing that, look, the thing that is really nice is like Keenan's like upper middle class, like black. They don't really, in fact, the one joke about race is quite good where at the end, <laughs> um, like Kel's like, I don't like you. And it's like, is it because I'm black? Which is... Just wonderful. Cause it's, yeah, because he's talking to Keenan, and it's like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's between two black folks, and it's just such a weird, like, dumb and dumber joke. They're like, fine, mm -hmm. this is great. Like, what are you going to do? But I imagine, like, the, like, meta of it is this whole thing of, like, at least for comedy, like, the business is in, like, portraying upper middle class black folks, um, which is, like, how how all the rest of this sort of shakes out in in a way that's, like, I'm trying to think i mean i don't really have like a cogent thought about all this but it just like as as i'm like talking through it like i i mean i'm guessing probably i, I would put money that like you know all that had a mostly white writer's room if not completely white sure um and i i would guess that it was a lot of like they're just like all of us you know that we're 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 very like colorblindy mm -hmm. in the kind of like portrayal and then it's just sort of like you know, with a little teeny tiny bit of like, you know, the the easiest hip hop and then like let's in bad, you know, like improvise a few lines. Yeah. Well, I was just tracking as I was like, whatever was in. I, I agree with you. It was probably like in this colorblindy 90s-ness of it all. But I did think in watching it, I was just trying to track like the effect of watching this world as like. I noticed that all of the customers were white and the, when you did see mm -hmm. color, it was like on mm. the staff. And then, but then it was interesting seeing, it was almost like they didn't, 
And it was part of the weirdness, I think, of the world where it was just like, how aware are these characters of like, because they would suddenly become very aware and make these jokes. And then there would be moments where I'm like, where is he living? Like, where is he coming out of this world? And then like, they do make that that joke about I think it was Sinbad as the teacher where he's like, I don't want to put a black man in jail. And then you, but you earlier had him oh, like yeah. running through. And it was like, you're like, oh, you're throwing white babies. You're like, you know what I mean? Just like, what does that all mean? And I'm just thinking about children taking in all of those images and just being conscious of like what media would be telling us in this whole yeah. 1997 world, I thought was kind of like a fascinating thing to look at. Um, and I also don't have a cogent thought, but I was very aware of it. To the extent that they would be patting themselves on the back and also just to the extent of the times, it's like, I think we were, they, we, they, all the whole world, um, America was still at the like, isn't it cool that we have black kids just doing not stereotypical things, basically? Like, sure. isn't it nice that these are the main characters and they're positive and they're goofy? And I, I'm positive they didn't think past that. Like, why would they? And I also did not look this up, but I have to imagine that the Nickelodeon child audience demographic from that time must have skewed fairly white, at least. Yeah. I Like every kid that I, I'm from a very white area, every single kid I knew was watching Nickelodeon growing up. So I'm sure there was also, I'm sure they were also writing with that in mind. Like, yes, like we are white men writing black characters for a white audience. So it can't. Well, Nickelodeon yeah. was cable, right? So you had to pay for it. Yeah. At yeah. The time. Yeah. And that was like a big divide yeah i i yeah i i would have to imagine that race would be like the absolute last thing I, and i think the reason it's inconsistent is because it's not like part of the point of view it's just like if it works for a joke we'll use mm. it and most of the time it does it doesn't matter there is so unlikely to be a point about it that for sure it's so hard to, like you'd have to create one yeah the biggest point of view that this movie has is like don't take advantage of your friends. And if you're going to do business, do a nice business. Do a nice business that doesn't poison people. I'm curious, before we go to the awards, um, did you two have any like uh, brand loyalty to any fast food places growing up? Or like, what was your, did you have a relationship with like the McDonald's Happy Meal and like the commercials and the toys? Like, because that was a huge, huge part of yeah. my childhood. And I know my, I know my parents would love the opportunity to not have to cook. So if we were in the car and was close to dinner time, I was like, hey, Frank, you want a Happy Meal? It'd be like, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Like my literally my favorite thing in the world. Mm. Um, so, yeah, what was your what was both your experience? I mean, as a kid, kid. Yeah, I, I like that stuff. We had it pretty infrequently, though. I feel like like compared to. I mean, part of it is a little bit the immigrant thing where they're just like, we don't really want to eat fucking hamburgers that much. So your mom's cooking. It was kind of what it shook out to. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think. But yeah, I, I think like like everyone who grew up on this, I was pretty like, I want to have that thing. Mm -hmm. The toy. Yeah. yeah. Let me have that toy. Yeah, I was not. Um, I was my parents were pretty like they were part of like the Brooklyn food co-op. They were like very not in, oh, wow. they were very like apps. You're not putting that poison in your system. <laughs> so it just made the poison like a lot sexier. You know what I mean? So I was just, I was just like, how can I get my hands on some of this? So I would just like, it was just extra sexy. Um, but I didn't actually get my hands on it that often because I was a child and I'm, it was hard to say. And so, and it, 
yeah, there's some fast food I've never even had that people I've never had Taco Bell, which is like some people are like, wow, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it's really good. So uh, we might that might be, you know, I don't know, but I just never grew up with it. There's also a thing I think with just New York kids, especially where it's like you can you can just get non not like non name brand garbage, but you know. You, there's just other shit around. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah we, we were eating a lot of different kinds. of. You know, my partner grew up in South Carolina. He's like, that's what you would do. Where are you going to go? Yeah. The plurality of bad foods that cost less than $5 <laughs> is like much greater in a place like New York. <laughs> yeah. In a good way, I think. Yeah, I was in a household filled with fucking kids cuisines and Coca-Cola two liters. That was all we had. That was all we ate and drank almost (laughs) almost all the time. Actually, I'm realizing right now why I have so many digestive issues as an adult. So this is this is good that we're having this conversation. I'm in real time. I'm like, oh, that's why. Um, Did either of you have anything else you wanted to hit before we do the awards? I'm trying to think that the whole detour through the uh, the like the, the mental institution place was so bizarre and 90s and had to have been fucked up in so many ways that i kind of that also was when i really just like stopped being able to follow what was happening so i just remember it happening and i'm like this is crazy yeah a very strange deviation it felt like uh it felt like in the room someone was like what if we did one flew over the cuckoo's nest but for kids I guess that's what all these are. It's like X for this is it's like Wall Street, but for kids. It's like whatever. Like there's there there's surprise so many of those scenes and so many of like all that sketches were like predicated on that. I gotta tell you, yeah, kids love this shit though. Like I teach middle schoolers now, and I gotta tell you, the amount of scenes <laughs> that just go I can't say please no more murders enough, and it's just like <laughs> It's never enough insane dying, getting back from dying, being murdered again, having like crazy, just being crazy. There's an obsession with like just being. And I think you're working through something. There's also just an where I'm like, OK, can we tighten this up? And they're like, no, this I this we always tell them we're like, if you love something, defend your work. It's my favorite. And they're like, they're out to defend it. And they will defend their like 10 act murder mystery that you're like, <laughs> this ended already in scene one. Oh, and they're I like, also nope. did think the. uh them delivering to Shaquille O'Neal sequence was pretty funny. That was fun. Yeah. The slow-mo. So it was like Shaq, Shaq will do, Shaq will do, Shaq will give you two hours. Get the boys to Shaquille O'Neal. And you know what? It was worth it. Also, you know, the other thing, shout out to this movie for having like, I guess we didn't have memes yet, right? That wasn't a thing, but we did have like, just this had the the phrases, the lines, the like memorable that like, I'm sure it must've been so annoying to be a parent maybe particularly my parent when this movie came out because you just could not stop singing like i'm a dude or like welcome to good burger like everyone would just go around doing the voice that i think is probably the genius of like children's television is just like coming up with shit like that that people want to say over and over again I did queue up the ska version of I'm a Dude right after this movie yes. finished. I was like, I didn't realize, I forgot that there was a ska version of I'm a Dude. I'm, this is, go- I'm listening to this right now in its entirety. And I guess that's that's the last thing, just to your point, Andrew, that I'd be curious about in terms of like the writing of this. Like, I don't know, also didn't look it up, but have a gut feeling that like the gen- like the characters probably were developed by Keenan and Kel. Like I would guess, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't, I think it was probably like they were developing characters and messing around and then that got written for, in which case, like, I'm sure they probably wrote a lot of this and like 
didn't get any writing credit is just like my totally just gut feeling. Yeah, it's so hard to know with like a teenage sketch show, I feel like you're like, because you probably, yeah, just let them like. I'm sure they audition with like characters just the same way SNL, you know, I'm sure that's like part of it, like bring in a character. I almost like I feel like I remember I used to be like in all that head. And I feel like that was like being like, how could I get on that? And you would bring in characters. You know, there's also just that exploitation that like, even as we know in acting in the comedy scene, you could go into an audition, like improvise a whole thing, not get the part and then watch the show and be like, that's so funny because I, I I did that in my and they heard it and now it's there. All right, Angela, it is time to hand out the awards for this episode. Our first award is called A Point with a View. This goes to the character with the best politics in the movie. Probably the the guy that um, throws them out of the psych ward, like breaks them onto the psych ward. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's my my guess. I'm just I'm just assuming it can't be Ed for (laughs) her. You don't like putting all your eggs in bad political basket seems like unwise. There's no one. No one's counting votes at the end of this. So, you know, you can put those eggs anywhere. I I would have also given it to Ed because he's just like he's like what chaotic good. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. just but I'm actually going to give this to Monique, one of the other Good Burger employees, because she, she makes the active choice to be like. Dexter, I don't like you anymore because I found out you're taking advantage of Ed and that's fucked up and I am not going to be interested in you anymore. It is Monique. I'm sold. I will put some eggs in Ed's basket because he's the best person, but I don't know if he has the best politics. But I think no one knows what (laughs) is which is the problem. Yeah, for sure. Okay, our next award is Despicable You. This goes to the character with the worst politics in the movie. I mean, you know, it's got to be Sinbad. Who, who oh. starts starts this whole shit? <laughs> I just feel like it's Sinbad too easy Kurt. to give it to Kurt. Just too uh, sure. I just can't give it to Kurt. Kurt's I don't know. It's Sinbad. Sinbad has the power to be a good person, whereas Kurt I think is just genetically predisposed. Sinbad really does like relish in being able to like get one over on this kid. Yeah, punish these teen. This teen. Punish this teen. Also, he like grabs Keenan and like smashes him into the hood yeah, of not the car. <laughs> I, and I was like, if Keenan knew, he just because he has witnesses, he could just turn around and be like, "You guys saw that, right?" He put his hands on me. Great, I'm walking away from this, sir. I don't know you shit. Right? Yeah, I'd say like Sinbad Kurt would be my my votes for this as well. I was pretty mad at Dexter. I didn't really get over. I didn't get over the that the like eighty twenty of it all pissed me off like so he's really a bad person (laughs) and like he knew that ed would know he was like really low it wasn't just that it's that he knew ed wouldn't know and like it was so gross to me so it's going to him all right and our last award is a star is scorned this goes to the supporting character that this movie should actually be about i think you said it right monique i would watch a movie about monique yeah she was like the most normal person in this entire <laughs> this entire right. movie. She's the only normal person. I'm going to go with uh, Abe Vigoda's character, Otis. Um, I want to see the story of a man who has been so beaten down by this economic system that he has to work into his late 70s and sleep in the on the floor of the burger place that he is <laughs> employed by. That I want to see like the Otis story because it seemed very sad. They played it for laughs, but I was like, this is 
This man doesn't have a home. He's sleeping at, at Good Burger. Also, not to give notes <laughs> within the logic of this movie, but it feels like it'd be super easy for Mondo Burger to bribe him. Sure. Yeah. Like, that feels like <laughs> that actually would be more consistent with everyone's characters and what they set up for him beforehand. Like, they should have just offered to give him enough money so he doesn't have to sleep at work. And he rightfully should have flipped. Yeah, why does everyone have so much loyalty to Good Burger? It doesn't make any <laughs> it's sense. so bizarre. And they did have yeah. this. They just kept talking about, like, how old he is. And there was that, like, severe ageism in it. And then one of the fun facts that I read was that um, he, they were like, he was crazy. He could, like, he was the most fit of us all. Like, the actor that he could, like, he was, like, jumping walls. I don't know what walls he was scaling. But they were like, he scaled walls <laughs> during the making of Good Burger. Like, whoa. Wow. I mean... Listen, the whole thing, I will just say that, like, so uh, the, my last job was I was writing on um, that 90s show. So it was all like teen actors. And when they found out I'm in, I, I'm in my 40s and when they found out I'm in my 40s, it was like they had found out I was dying. They all <laughs> the all the kid actors came up to me separately and were like, hey, man, you're so cool. It's OK. And I was like, no, I know. It's fine, though. And also, no, it's fine. But it was like, truly, like, clearly, like, one of them learned. Because I was like, oh, hey, kid, I'm actually the same age as your character. You could see the gears turning in his head. And then he, like, went back. And then within 45 minutes, all the other kid actors had, like, checked in with me. Oh my God. What did you say? Unreal. Are you I like, yes, like, I'm, I'm on, I'm on death's doorstep. Uh, well, I mean, because they were, they were mostly just there to tell me I was still cool in their opinion, and I was like, it's, it's fine, guys. Wow, <laughs> wow, guys, Andrew really needs some validation right now. I think we all <laughs> no, have to. No, it's fine, so individually. It's fine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> have been like thank you so much for saying that and just so you know this is incredibly rude what you're doing right now wow that's okay they're gonna they're famous they're only gonna get more famous so it's okay they could be rude for the rest of their lives <laughs> so on that note before we wrap up we love to discuss with our guests how we as artists and people strive to practice our values as anti-capitalists in our own lives and um, even how complex it is and contradictory it can sometimes be. Is there is there one thing or more than one thing, a practice that you engage with in your life that you'd like to share? I mean, the main thing that is very focused um, is is a group that um, like I think every everyone on on here uh, knows about a little bit. I it's it's the main sort of mutual aid group that I do anything with, um, just because. I guess because I just know the folks the most, um, but it's called Solidarity and Snacks. And um, there are sort of two uh, distros of mostly supplies, snacks uh, on Skid Row in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, it's, it's a thing that I got into um, during 2020 when I was like really struggling sort of mentally with like a lot of stuff. Um, the like honestly like purely selfish part of it um, was... You know, not merely the like, oh, it's like nice to like, you know, know people in your community and like, you know, do stuff. Um, there's also the like purely baldly, nakedly selfish part of me that was like, you know, like I'm a little old to be throwing bricks, but when it's time to be throwing bricks, I guess these are the people like that I know I can trust. The people that have been out there like giving, giving of their time and whatever resources they can. Um, and also the community that's out there. It's just like, it's really like, I uh, took me out of a bubble that I think um, I was just like, 
more in than I realized. Um, and so it is just nice. It's nice to like have friends on Skid Row. It's nice to like have not like enemies, but just have people that I find annoying on Skid Row. I'm like, yeah, you're fucking annoying. Uh, and like, and it's like, and be like closer to like just all this community that's around that is like, um, I think very easy, um, certainly was easy for me prior to getting more involved in this to like not really think about it or not be involved. So yeah, again, this is the like purely self-interested case for mutual aid. Which I think is really valid because it's like the idea of mutuality is that you are getting something out of it as well. It's like the difference between some kind of altruism or like I'm going like yeah. I'm going to give because I have so much to get. It's like, no, we are involved in these communities because we mutually need one another and that's how they work. So I think that's like what you're saying. I really, I really get. And like, that's, that makes a lot of sense um, for people who are listening, who are like, what is mutual aid? Or like, how would I even, I think sometimes people are like, how would I even start to be involved? So the one you're speaking to is in Los Angeles Yes. And where can people find more information about um, that? Probably. If- there, so there's a link. Um, it's Solidarity and Snacks on the Insta is the Instagram. Um, and that probably is the, the easiest place. Um, I like um, some folks like do a good job of like writing up what is happening, what we're doing. Um, and then like just like. Yeah, just sort of like uh, occasionally we feel like there's been a little less of it recently, but that might not even be true because I only sort of pay attention to sometimes um, of like like sort of like keeping the model sustainable. I mean, I think that is like a big thing for like mutual aid efforts is that like it's really hard. You burn out and like it's whether it's uh, um, resources in terms of like financial resources or energy or just like, um, you know, like. It, like right now, there's a lot. It, it all started, Solidarity and Snacks, I think, um, got started in 2020 just um, as sort of protest support. And then it uh, once once the protests in Los Angeles were dying down, um, turned into more of just a, an ongoing mutual aid thing. But yeah, here's, I guess the thing is, it's like, there. this stuff is in every community. And if it's not, it, it, you can be part of the community. And the thing that I like say on my podcast less these days, just because it doesn't come up as much, is that like, you know, injustice and like whether it's legal, whether it's like ob- obviously like like physical violence and things like that are parts of the injustice that are in the world. But like also the other like taking a step back view of it is it's just like help people hurting other people. That's what these laws are. That's what like these are. And then what you can do is take what resources you have and you can organize and try to help other people. And it's not one-to-one and it's not perfect. And there are like systemic reasons that your your money can only go so far, your efforts. But that's also just a way that's like better than like just vote or, or like send a hundred bucks to, you know whoever like whatever elected official like like it's just the the like actual like impact of what you do you know laws hurt people you can help people and that's kind of to me the like calculus of all that um so anyway just help people it's way easier than you think you're right there is no one-to-one and just like any little bit that you do is a a little bit more than you would have done if you had done nothing or that someone wasn't doing or that someone wasn't doing exactly 
Andrew, where can our audience find you and your work or your podcast yeah. if they'd like? Uh, really, I just, especially since we've been talking, just Yo, Is This Racist is the podcast. It's on uh, other places, no longer on Earwolf. We, we uh, got out of that. Um, and yeah, that's probably the best place. I guess like social media is like my name, but it's not super important. A strong <laughs> plug, a strong plug. Andrew, thank you so much for, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you've been enjoying the show, please consider becoming a supporter. Again, you can find all of that info at mvcpod.com. For next week's movie to celebrate Independence Day, we'll be watching the 1984 military drama, A Soldier's Story. Thank you. Bye.